Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie back with Justin Bamforth as we talk about the paranormal world. You've looked at multiverses. What do you think of that? I have my theory about deja vu, but what what are your thoughts on the multiverses, Justin? Yeah, the multiverse, um, you know, that's that's an interesting aspect for sure. You know, what what exactly is the multiverse? Um, you know, from what I understand, it's, you know, it's like if you make, um, you know, and, and, and those in the science field, you know, please correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding is, you know, that there are certain choices we make, and when we make a choice or a conscious choice, it, it creates another you in another reality. And, um, you know, that other you makes choices, which makes other choices and creates other yous. And I've always wondered if maybe there's overlap, right, from this type of a theory. And maybe what we are seeing as ghosts are nothing more than those other yous or other people in other realms. That's possible. I've always thought deja vu, that ability to think I've been here before, is that too that just might be a few seconds out of kilter from another universe that we're matching ourselves in? Yeah, it, it, I mean, it's possible. I mean, there's, you know, again, there's so many different theories we can put on, on paranormal phenomenon or whatever we want to call this high strangeness. Um, and it's, it's really, it's like every theory is plausible. Every theory does have uh, hold a certain weight. Um, but, you know, sometimes when you hear these experiences, again, I, I just caution people, don't try to categorize it. Don't try to label it. Just take it for what it is. Write it down, most importantly, you know, log all the, the points of data and all that, because you never know when something seemingly unimportant will actually be, will give us a clue or be very relevant to an experience. How did you get involved investigating men in black stories? <laughs> yeah, that, that seems to be a very uh, popular subject that a lot of people are, are intrigued by. Um, as, as much as, you know, I'd like to think that the, uh, typical men in black case involves, you know, black clad individuals, you know, wearing the fedoras and the black suits and the sunglasses and all that. Yeah. The fact is, it just doesn't always happen that way. Yes, it, it can. But what I've found is I've started asking people about, have you ever had any odd encounters with odd individuals or people that just, you know, stood out to you as not really normal? In fact, while we were um, on the, actually a couple hours ago before the show, I got an email from a, a gentleman who used to work out at Alcatraz Island. Oh, he was geez. telling me about one such experience um, where these 17 guys showed up to take a tour of Alcatraz, and um, they all said that they were from uh, AFOSI, you know, the Air Force Office of Special Investigations. Mm -hmm. But what stood out to him is that these individuals didn't say anything. They were just very robotic. And they were covered with bruises. And um, he, that is what stood out to them, or stood out to this gentleman. And he said, um, you know, there were, there were no jokes, no talking, nothing. And, um, you know, again, if you're, if you're looking for classic men in black, you're probably going to overlook some of these things. I think they're showing up as just presumably normal people, but they're trying too hard to fit in. So it's coming across as very unnormal. Who do you think they are, or what are they? Well, you know, this is a great question because um, my friend Daryl Sims, who is a pioneer in the alien abduction field, 
you know, I've asked him about this too, um, because I know he's done some research on this. He's had direct encounters as well uh, with some of his abductees, but um, he thinks that there are two different types of groups of MIB. And I tend to agree. There's obviously the classic people from some alphabet soup government agency that's, you know, off the <laughs> off the books. And that would explain some of the more human uh, encounters. However, there are some experiences that kind of defy that. And, um, you know, these individuals display very inhuman characteristics. Uh, sometimes they'll just show up out of nowhere. They'll just disappear. Um, how do you do that? I don't know. Um, but sometimes these, in these really strange encounters, the individuals, they will almost like look Again, not quite right, like they're trying too hard to fit in. Sometimes yep. they won't have any hair um, or even pores on their skin. Um, it's really bizarre stuff. Or like this gentleman who, who uh, emailed me about Alcatraz, they'll, they'll seem very robotic. However, there is one common uh, mannerism I've, I've noted with uh, these individuals. It's their movement. The way that they move is very mechanical, very stilted, um, or very like a... Uh, somebody described it to me as very like herky jerky, like an Android, and, uh, uh, kind of, but like almost like somebody who I know has trouble or difficulty walking. And now I, I, I want to caution your listeners. That doesn't mean every single person you see out there who just looks a little off or may even have a physical disability is, is one is, of these odd individuals I'm talking about. Right. But there are certain things, certain aspects. Uh, for example, there was, um, a lady from New Zealand who who emailed me. She had um, she had contacted me about something else unrelated to the Men in Black. Well, two days I think it was two or three days after she emailed me, she was out with her son jogging, and um, you know they they or, I'm sorry not jogging taking the uh, the dog out for a walk, and it's the same park that they go to all the time, and uh, you know nothing was unusual, and then she noticed that there were. Uh, two individuals that stood extremely close to one another off in the distance, but the motion of their arms and legs did not match the speed that they were jogging in reality. And she said that their heads didn't bob up and down like they normally should do. Not to mention that each time she and her son stopped walking, these two joggers would, would suddenly stop advancing forward. It was like they were matching their speed um, or their movements. And um, the whole experience, you know, it, it really shook her up. And then she mentioned something to her son about it, and her son said, oh, yeah, there was another couple of joggers who were doing the exact same thing a few moments prior for the huh. back. <laughs> yeah, it freaked her out, and it really bothered her son. And then a couple days after that, they described that they had this dark cloud over their whole house and um, just overwhelming senses of fear and dread. And she was almost going to completely call off the interview with me. She was blaming me for <laughs> being wow. So, um, but again, what is that? You know, typically these men in black um, or MIB experiences, I just call them, you know, strange people experiences. Well, initially we thought, Justin, that they were government officials trying to scare people or get them to, you know, not talk about UFO encounters and things like that. It seems to have expanded into where these may be dimensional or ETs. Yeah, I, again, all these theories definitely hold weight. But um, like the phenomenon operates in, in such a manner that just when you think you, you've put your finger on it and you've figured it out, there'll be another experience or another report that'll come through that completely 
does the opposite of that. And it's like, well, that doesn't hold up in this case. <laughs> what is this sort of stuff? And it doesn't just trail a UFO experience either. It can trail any sort of experience. What uh, stories have you covered with uh, strange things from the other side? Well, um, that's like like things from beyond, like the uh, the afterlife, if the you will. The afterlife. Um, well, there was a, an interesting experience that uh, was sent to me. Um, actually, it's the same couple, Tina and Eric, who um, who had the weird doppelganger experience with their son. Well, um, a few about a month ago, uh, Tina's mother had passed, and um, she. Uh, she had uh, told her husband that um, a few months back she had a dream where um, she saw her mother in the dream. Uh, it was in May, and um, her mother, Geraldine, said very specifically to her, you have 40 days. Now, Tina didn't know exactly what that meant, but she wrote it down on their calendar anyway, uh, in case there was like, some significance later on. Well, day 40 came and went. Nothing significant had taken place. Um, but... In the week, um, in the week since her mother's passing, um, Tina went to Target on two occasions to pay for items, and she was just randomly handed forty dollars in cash at the register. But the thing is, she didn't ever recall hitting the cash back option on either instance, and this happened twice. Um, she still received the forty dollars, nevertheless. And um, you know, when she returned a third time to return some other items. Um, the cashier recognized her and, you know, said something to the notion of like, I hope that same strange thing doesn't happen with the $40. Then her husband, Eric, was out walking and he saw a random magnet on a vehicle. Um, and it said it was an anti-abortion sticker, but it said 40 days for life. And um, he felt it had some meaning. So he took a picture of it. Um, now, again, Tina suggested that he share all of this, that Eric share all this with me at some point. And I'm glad he did because... I'm fascinated by these messages, um, but again, I try to approach it from a different angle, you know, and suddenly a thought popped in my head, what if Geraldine meant 40 business days instead of 40 regular days? Because the two of them, um, Tina and Eric, they're, they're very, um, you know, they're business professionals and they operate on that type of schedule. Once I did the math, I realized that it put the date at exactly like when Geraldine passed. That 40 business days was exactly the night that she passed. And I'm willing to bet that Tina had that dream at exactly the right or the exact same hour, too. So, and what's also fascinating is Tina has had an ability in the past to know the exact dates and, and times of when other people in her family would pass. Uh, that's another story, but it, it really freaked her out. Wow. You've got a story about the late actor Telly Savalas, who had a very strange encounter in the New York area, I believe. Yeah, absolutely. Um, up in Long Island, New York. Uh, this was in the late 1950s. Um, you know, Telly, unfortunately, he is no longer with us. And, and I really wish I had the opportunity to ask him about some of these experiences right. because I think there, there's more to it than that, um, or than this, rather. Uh, so short story, he, uh, he ran out of gas. He made a trek to the nearest business um, to find out where the nearest gas station was. And as he's making this trek through the woods, he all of a sudden hears a high-pitched voice say, I'll give you a ride. Out of nowhere. Out of nowhere, yeah. yeah. Exactly, yep. Just out of nowhere. And when he looked up to see where this voice is coming from, there's a man uh, dressed in all white (laughs) waiting for him in a Cadillac. Um, 
and again, wearing all white suits. So it's almost like a man in white. Um, Savala says, again, he never heard the vehicle approaching when all of a sudden it was just there. Either way, um, he agreed. He gets in the car with the gentleman. They drive off toward the gas station together. Uh, once they arrived, the man suddenly offered uh, Savalas a dollar. Um, even though Savalas had never asked for any money, he still took the man up on the offer. Um, for gas, I guess, any, right? Exactly, yeah. He didn't have any cash. And he was really embarrassed by it, too, because he did have a full-time job. So what he said... And, and this guy, is before he was the actor, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the late 1950s. Um, he was, I think he was working for the State Department at that time. Um, so he, he promised to mail the man back his money, you know, just give me your name and, you know, address or phone number, you know, and I'll, I'll get it to you. Anyways, the guy helps him out, um, puts gas, uh, helps him fill up the container, helps him get it started. Um, then the man randomly exclaimed, um, I know Harry Agonis, who was a baseball player back then. Um, what was odd about it is they weren't talking about baseball. He just and popped so, up. Yeah. It just popped up. Yeah, the man asked this. And Savalas then said, okay, well, who is he? The guy goes, a utility infielder for the Boston Red Sox. Okay, strange. Anyways, the night is done. He gets his car started. Anyways, it's the, the following day. After work, Savalas sees a headline in the Journal American, which read, Harry Agonis dead. Wow. Right. Um, it gets stranger. So then he thinks back of that guy, that man in white, he, he sees, you know, his name. He sees that the man's name is James Cullen, and there's an address and a phone number. So he calls the number. They answer. They say, oh, it's Jimmy's bar. Savalas goes, okay, can I speak to Mr. Cullen? Staff is confused. They bring somebody else on the line. Um, this woman answers. And Savalas is like, hey, I'm just wondering when I can expect him because, you know, I, he lent me some money last night. I want to pay him back. And the woman's really angry, and she's like, look, I don't know who you're talking about. But you're talking about my husband, and he's been dead for over two years. Oh. Hangs up. Yeah. So then Savalas and this woman, they get together. They meet up. They compare the signature. It matches um, the uh, description that Savalas gives her of, of how he was dressed was exactly what he was buried in. And, and t t did he have a Cadillac? Uh, no, that, that wasn't brought up. But what was interesting was the high-pitched voice was brought up. And the woman said, well, actually, uh, Telly, he, he has the same type of deep voice as you, but um, he killed himself with a gunshot to the throat right through the voice box. Oh, my God. <laughs> right. So, again, very, very strange. Well, about mm, maybe in 19, yeah, it was in 1963, November 1963, uh, Telly Savalas is on the golf course with his buddies. And he hears the exact same high-pitched voice again. And the, the voice says, Telly, did you hear what happened in Dallas? And Savalas looks around at his friends, and he's like, did you hear that? And they're like, yeah, we heard it, but we didn't understand what it said. And, he, and he, Savalas is really shaken up. They play a few more holes. He's still bothered by this. So they take a break. They go into the, um, into the, the golf club. They're watching TV. Walter Cronkite suddenly interrupts it's the broadcast the and the announcement. Oh, my God. Yep, Kennedy had just been shot. And um, what was interesting is Savalas, uh, he projected that the time he heard the ghostly voice on top of the hill was about 90 minutes prior to when JFK had been shot. So, or I'm sorry, no, it was, he heard the, vo he heard the broadcast 90 minutes after, but w when that time was that he heard the voice, that would have been the exact time that JFK was shot. 
Unbelievable. He and this is a story he took with him to the grave, isn't it? He he believed something weird happened to him. He did, and he also said um, again on, on an Australian TV show where he was talking about this experience. He said that there were other encounters that he had had with this voice. I reached out to one of his daughters, uh, Ariana Savalas, but she said she didn't hear anything else about it uh, beyond what what I knew already. But so, she um, she knew about something. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, you know, I if anyone in the audience knew Telly personally or ever heard directly uh, from him about these other experiences, I'd love to talk with you more about it. That would be great. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.